All right, it is 7-20-22, July 20, 2022. For those who have kids, you realize that the summer is waning. School's about to start. Uh, life is about to go back to uh, its normal routine. I always look at summer as sort of abnormal. But anyway, what isn't abnormal is the fact that it is Wednesday and it is a Blitz Wednesday. And I momentarily here will be interfacing with Loper and Randy over at 99.7 to answer legal questions, give my thoughts on life, and uh, hopefully provide some good listener benefit out there to the ether. Uh, it has been uh, you know a decade or so of doing this, and those who have followed my podcast know that I have LawyerTalkPodcast.com where I do something similar. I take answers, and I know I say it every week. I promise, I promise, I promise I will get to a couple questions that have been in the tank for a while. Uh, I planned on getting down here early today to do it, and it just didn't happen. Uh, you know, It turns out I do have another life that's upstairs in the law practice, and you know, I got to put food on the table. Unless, of course, you want to become a Patreon and, and subsidize my podcast. Uh, hot, I'll call it a habit. Uh, and that's easy. Just go to lawyertalkpodcast.com and you'll see how you can do it. Uh, short of that, just keep tuning in. I don't mind. Uh, and it looks like, uh, in fact, keep tuning in right now because it looks like the Blitz is here and ready to rock and roll. Here we go. All right. Steve Palmer's here to give us legal advice. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing over there? Ah, we're doing okay. Uh, hey, got a question for you. So Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck got married, and rumor has it that they didn't get a prenup. Now, we all on the show have speculated why and why not, uh, but what do you think, man? Like, what What is the advantage of not getting a prenup when you're that rich? Yeah, I don't know if there's an advantage uh, or a disadvantage as a rule. I think it, each individual circumstance would be different. So generally speaking, when we talk about prenups or prenuptial agreement or antenuptial agreement, as we might call it in Ohio, uh, really what you're talking about is defining what is premarital and what is not. And, you know, it very well could be that both of them have similar assets going into the marriage. So I can tell you she has $400 uh, million and he has $100 million. All right. So it benefits him. Definitely. I suppose uh, not to have the uh, not to have the antenuptial agreement. So I don't know. I'd be curious to uh, to to understand why or what the decision making process was or what they were relying on. But you know what you do with a prenup is you define what's yours before, so there's no question. Now you don't have to have a prenup to do that though. So say I come into a marriage and I have a separate account that has a million dollars in it, and uh, I never touch that account. It's uh, it stays separate throughout the uh, entirety of my marriage. And then I go get divorced. I can go into court and say, look, this is a separate premarital account. I can prove it because I've never touched it. But you so have to th- fight it in court. Otherwise, you could just have like laid it all out. Right. And maybe. I mean, you would still it, it's not that difficult. So fighting in court isn't that difficult if I have the evidence. Now, if it, it gets trickier when I have things like business interests or. Uh, things that aren't necessarily premarital assets that you, that you want to still protect, even though they're going to be commingled during the marriage. And then you get into the individual states and what the rules are and how that uh, is enforceable. So there's a lot of moving parts to it. Generally, though, uh, you know, a lot of times I think these are emotional decisions where the couple just says, look, we trust each other. This is forever, even though every other marriage in Hollywood is not. That's what and, J-Lo uh, said. Yeah, she did say that. Yeah, she said this is forever. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean... It wasn't forever the first time they were engaged, so hopefully it is this time. <gasps> right. Yeah, she's been around the block, that Jenny. Yeah, she's Jenny from the block. That's yeah, right. that's right. All right, so uh, Steve, we have uh, some questions here at 99700 uh, that we're going to hop right into the text. That's from Chad. I have a question for Steve for when he comes in. Sorry, sorry, I'm at work, and this is... <laughs> Steve wrote a lot, and then someone else just wrote... 
Did you see that thing just come in? I'm sorry, guys. The text is going crazy. All right. I'm I'm at work, and this is my break question. Reading the hero that stopped the shooting at the mall in Indiana. Since it seems like prosecutors will file charges on anything these days and turn someone's world upside down, what are the chances of this hero having uh, charges filed against him for having a firearm in the area that's posted with the typical signs that say you can't have a firearm in that area, like inside the mall? Yeah, that could happen, I guess. Um, if if it's uh, if it's a fact that he had a firearm in an area where he wasn't allowed to have a firearm, well, I, you know, theoretically, there's some sort of violation there. I'd have to read their local law to see how that works. Um, and I did see some commentators say something about, well, nobody told him he couldn't go in with a gun. I, I don't know if it was posted correctly or, or or who knows what the local variant is of their of their law, but. Uh, you know, the chances, who knows, it may be up to the political agenda of the local prosecutor or the pressure that the local prosecutor gets. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the prosecutor exercised discretion not to charge this guy with uh, committing that uh, administered, we'll call it a technical violation. Um, but, uh, you know, I think on the bigger picture, it goes to show you that uh, at least the bad guy who was there to kill people didn't follow the rules and uh, he had his gun there no matter what. Yeah, so like, does that include like meeting force with force? Would that fall under that umbrella? Well, you would wonder if the regulatory violation of having a gun at the mall or the shopping center when you're not allowed to, if self-defense is a defense or defense of others would be a defense against that regulatory crime. Um, I'm defending a crime right now where there was a shooting on a road and my client had to use deadly force with a firearm. And the issue there is going to be, uh, it's a crime actually to fire a gun on the road. And the issue there is whether the use of force or use of self-defense is going to be a defense for that, uh, separate crime, not the harm caused, but the actual regulatory offense of not being allowed to fire a gun on the road. And believe it or not, Ohio law for my research isn't necessarily clear on that, but our argument is that yes, you had a necessity. Now this case in Indianapolis is a little bit different because you know, it's not like um, the crime wasn't firing within the mall. The crime is having a gun in the first place within the mall. So I, I don't know. I don't know Indiana law well enough. The argument, I guess, would be um, that he could, both things could be true. He could be not guilty of committing any violent offenses against the person he shot um, and guilty of the regulatory violation at the same time. You know, that, that's not incongruent necessarily. Do you know what's going on? Uh, they keep talking about, uh, along with uh, Roe versus Wade uh, being overturned, could uh, gay marriage actually be overturned? Is it fragile enough to to actually have the same fate? Yeah, there's. It's really you're you're really asking two separate questions. It, like legally speaking, it it sort of rests on the same logic that Roe did. Um, the the Supreme Court in Obergefell, I think, uh, they they found a constitutional right that isn't written in the Constitution. And that uh, they, they then uh, basically declared it's a constitutional right to be married and same-sex marriage is a constitutional right and deprived yeah. the states of the opportunity to regulate that or to decide what they want to do on their own. So you could say that based on Dobbs, the new Roe v. Roe v. Blah, the new Roe v. Wade decision, that the Supreme Court could extend that logic to a Bergfeld and uh, same-sex marriages. And I think even um, Clarence Thomas, one of the justices, actually hinted at that, if not expressly said he would. But I don't think they have the rest of the court. I, I don't think the court's going to go that far. Not any time in the near future uh, will the court do that. So is it the two questions are, could it happen? Yes. Logically speaking and legally speaking, it flows naturally from the Dobbs decision. But politically speaking and as a as sort of a practical matter, I don't think the court's going to do it, at least not anytime soon. So I don't think it's as fragile as, uh, as those who want to make an issue of it would suggest. Yeah, I hope not. 
Um, here is one coming in. Good morning. I'm writing in to ask Steve about my sister. I need advice. She currently lives in Indiana, has four children with her husband. For a while now, we have suspected abuse in the house, but now that he has been taking antibiotic, antibiotic steroids, Anabolic steroids. I'm sorry. Anabolic. What is it? Anabolic steroids. Anabolic steroids. It has become extremely apparent that his attitude has gotten worse. My sister was able to visit us here in Ohio over the weekend, and she and I stayed up late talking. And while uh, taking advantage of our time together, I explained to her she could tell me anything, and I would be there for her if she needs me. She ended up confiding in me and telling me that she has recently gotten he has gotten physical with her. She even has a photo of her back completely bruised from him throwing her against the wall. Jeez. I'm asking Steve for advice on how to provide my sister with information that will protect her and her children. She's ready to leave him, but has no family or friends in the state they reside in. She's a stay-at-home mom, and all finances are run by the husband. Obviously, we want to help her, but she cannot leave the state with their kids, or at least she thinks she can't. At this point, we know it's unsafe. What legal protection does she have? Well, you know, she has all the protection that she wants to seek out. And I don't mean to be flip about that, but uh, I, I, I mean it. I mean, if she wants to go to the authorities and report the abuse, if she wants to go to the authorities and say she's not safe or the kids aren't safe or that uh, she needs help, she will find help. The authorities will give her help. I mean, she could go to whatever local version of, uh, of children's services. She could go to the local police department. Uh, she There might even be some other uh, county uh, agencies that could offer her some help, or if nothing else, she could go speak to a private lawyer and uh, get some legal advice on how to handle such a situation. You know, it, just because you're married and have kids with somebody doesn't mean you can't take the kids out of state. In fact, it may mean quite the opposite. I wouldn't comment on Indiana law, but you know, it, it, she has every if she has parental rights the same as the other. Uh, it means they both could do that. And you know, until there's something filed, until there's a, a divorce action uh, started in court. Uh, everybody's equal. So what she could do is file for divorce. What she could do is file for divorce and get a restraining order, giving, asking her for custody. I mean, there's, there's lots of things she can do. The problem here is, and I don't mean to, this isn't a criticism. Uh, in fact, maybe the opposite. The problem is people are reticent to do these things out of fear. Um, you know, there is a such thing as abused woman syndrome. There's a such thing as like, there's a psychological sort of beatdown that people suffer in, in abusive relationships that, makes them feel like they have no options, even though they do. So counseling, advice, uh, help from the authorities, it's all there. The, the, the hard part on, for the caller here is going to be convincing the person that they need to go do it. Yeah. And also like, I don't think anabolic steroids is going to make anybody a woman beater. I mean, like if you, you either are or you're not, it may make you more of a woman beater if you are. Well, like that's what the email said or the text when she came in that he was already kind of. Yeah. But I'm nice just saying person. like, uh, you know, it, it's, what you're doing is like blaming it on something else. You know what I mean? Like he's the a-hole, you know what I mean? No matter if he's on steroids or not on steroids, it sounds like he is a jerk. I mean, anybody that would put their hands on a woman for no reason or for any reason, you know, not a good person whatsoever. So I wouldn't make any excuses for him. Steroids or not, man. It sounds like the guy is trash. So uh, I got one for you here, Steve. Now this is out of state. This has been a story in the news. This woman from Michigan, Quishante Short is her name. Uh, she was stood up uh, like on a date, right? Okay. And so she just didn't complain about it on social media. She has uh, decided to sue the guy who stood her up on a date for $10,000 in emotional distress damages. So I guess uh, <laughs> it was her mother's birthday and her mom had just died. So I guess uh, she's saying that... It, 
all of that combined, the guy standing her up on a date and her mother and everything, it could, it caused this extreme emotional distress. How do you actually sue someone and prove that? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you could say that I had a date with somebody to, uh, to meet at a certain place and uh, you could say that's a contract, right? We both agreed to show up at that certain place. And if the other side breached that agreement, then in theory, they would be responsible for, uh, uh, my damages as a result of that. The problem is, what are the damages? You know, you could say, all right, I forgave or, or I, 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 I didn't do something else that I would have done or I could have been making money. I didn't, I left my job or whatever it would be um, in reliance on this agreement and then try to sue outside contract, I guess. Uh, but here she's going a step farther and she's saying intentional infliction of emotional distress. Well, that, that is what it says. It's got to be intentional. So you would have to prove that the other side did it on purpose with the intent to inflict emotional damage and trauma on this person. I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, it's a long shot at best. Um, I love creative legal theories though. So I, I'd be interested in seeing how it plays out. <laughs> All right. Here's one. Our son works part-time and we gave him the opportunity to manage his money and, uh, do it independent. Now my husband wants to control wow. his spending to save for a vehicle since he'll be 17 soon. Our son states we cannot control his money and that it's illegal to do so. (laughs) My husband says it's completely legal until he's 18, especially since we're only looking out for his best interests. And he also added that as a matter of fact, since he's a minor, his income is part of the family income and we could make him pitch in for bills. I am unsure of all this and just want to make sure my husband's not overstepping. (laughs) Yeah, I I think your husband's actually right. I, I'd have to double check and do the research. But I know when I was growing up, my dad, uh, you know, I went out and earned some money one time and my dad just said, hey, how much you got? I said, five bucks. He goes, give it to me. <laughs> it's, and I think he was making a point. He gave it back. But it's like, you don't have anything until you're 18. It's all mine. Uh, and I think there's some truth to that. So I, I know that um, if if you wanted to do that, if you wanted to just take the bank account and, and, and uh, make them contribute and et cetera, uh, you could probably get away with that. Now the kid's recourse is going to be to try to emancipate from the household, which it, I, I doubt that he would want to do. I mean, any any uh, teenager that thinks they can go live on their own uh, and provide for themselves, you know, that's not easy to do. Uh, but it could happen, and I suppose you could say, uh, I'm going to go live on my own. I'm not going to play by these house rules. But then you're, you know, you've cut that cord. So I, I would hope that maybe uh, some reasonable family decision-making might help resolve this problem and it doesn't escalate into something that gets uh, permanently out of control. All right, Steve Palmer, always informative, always helpful, and uh, always out for Blitz Nation, man. If you guys ever need Steve, you can get in touch with him. He'll give you the number. But uh, also, check out his podcast, man. You guys uh, are actually doing it live right now. Yeah, we're recording right now. And what we'll do is, uh, you know, I've got my separate section where uh, people who who aren't fortunate enough to get in and and break through the Blitz lines because they're so busy and crowded, well, they can submit me a question at LawyerTalkPodcast.com, and I try to answer them there. Uh, and obviously, if you need help at the law firm, 614-224-6142. My man and my lawyer, Steve Palmer. Thanks, guys. All right. Another uh, gla- uh, really a, a host of great questions. I, I like um, I like the creativity of the lawsuit up in Michigan. I, I, we'll try to follow that. I'll try to remember to keep track of that one because uh, it's interesting. Uh, my gut tells me that's going nowhere. Um, you know, the family question about the kid and the income and the money, I'm sort of struggling with that too at my household because my son is now working and uh, I went and got a bank account with him. And there's that fine line between uh, teaching your child to balance his own budget, to uh, be responsible and not blow all his money, but at the same time, make sure uh, he doesn't blow all his money. So, you know, how much control do parents want to have? I'll leave that to the individual authority of the household. Um, 
So with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, another Blitz Wednesday on Lawyer Talk. And uh, as always, if you got a question, submit it separately at uh, lawyertalkpodcast.com. I get those questions. I promise to answer them the best I can as soon as I can get to them. Uh, also, check out the roundtable. Did a great interview with a guy named Rob Cooperman last week. Uh, that's Rob Cooperman at Stage Right Productions. He does uh, theater productions focusing on what he calls natural theater. So uh, it's great. I'll let you tune into the, the most recent roundtable to hear about that. Uh, and then I got Norm waiting in the wings here. We're going to do another roundtable today. So lots of stuff coming at Lawyer Talk, off the record, on the air, at least until now.